Hello, hello, my friends. I am Jenny Lin, and this is my show. I am a wife and mom of two crazy kiddos. I have struggled many years with chronic illness and pain. I have a passion to find out as much as I can while navigating through life, not always feeling 100%. I have realized that having a positive mindset is a must in today's crazy world. You deserve to live this life showing up as your best self, and I can help you get there. If you've been feeling lost after becoming a mom, you're not alone. I know that incredible woman is still in there, just begging to be found. I am here to create a safe, non-judgmental space for like-minded women. Let's empower each other. I am so happy you're here. Now, let's jump into the 123 Mom Squad podcast with me, Jenny Lynn. In this episode, I speak with such an incredible young lady, and of course, her name is Jenny. Um, Jenny has two rare diseases, and I was so interested in to find out more about them, so I couldn't wait to talk to her. Jenny lives with two rare diseases. One is called FAP, and it is short for familial adenomatosis polyposis. Yes, I completely butchered that, but Jenny will go ahead and say that correctly in the podcast. And she also has short bowel syndrome. She's lived with an ostomy for six years before having it reversed. Due to her medical experiences, she's decided to dedicate her professional and personal time to the chronic illness community and currently raises awareness about her rare diseases through her blog, Life's Apollo. To celebrate Rare Disease Day, Jenny published her first children's book about FAP, Life's Apollo, with Zeke and Katie. She also raises funds for FAP research through the blog, Life's Apollo Shop. I will link all of her information in the show notes. Be sure to connect with Jenny. She is absolutely the sweetest thing. And what what an amazing cause, of course, to raise awareness for these rare diseases. And she is also having a raffle on her Instagram to help raise awareness. You can buy a raffle ticket to donate towards that foundation um, up to May 15th. So be sure to check that out and feel free to donate. That would be absolutely amazing. So without further ado, ado, let's get to it. Hi, Jenny. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm awesome. I'd be better if it wasn't snowing in April right now, but hanging in there. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) Right. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited that you're here to talk about all of your health journeys with my audience and um, raise awareness for this. So I'm going to let everybody know Jenny lives with two rare diseases at the moment. Um, One is known as FAP and the other is short bowel syndrome. She has lived with an ostomy for six years before having it reversed. Due to her medical experiences, Jenny's dedicated her professional and personal time to the chronic illness community and raises awareness about her rare diseases through her blog, Life's Apollo. And she is on all of the social media now. Uh, And to celebrate Rare Disease Day, Jenny has published her first children's book also about FAP, Life's Apollo with Zeke and Katie. And she's also raising funds for the research through Life's Apollo shop. So Jenny, 
tell me, tell me, what is FAP? I know it's an acronym, so you, I don't want to butcher the whole meaning. And um, tell us a little bit about this rare disease and how it's affecting your, your, your life on a daily basis. So FAP stands for familial adenomatous polyposis, and it's a genetic disease. Um, and so it causes hundreds to thousands of colon polyps to develop, and they will turn cancerous uh, if the colon's not removed in time. Now, FAP also can cause cancer anywhere throughout the GI tract, not just the colon, and it can cause other cancers outside of the GI system, such as thyroid, pancreas, uh, liver. And then there's uh, random other things that it can cause, like desmoid tumors, uh, bone growths, extra teeth, uh, cysts. So it affects a lot of the body. Um, and unfortunately, it can be passed on since it's genetic, although there are spontaneous occurrences of it. Um, but it, uh, because the colon has to be removed and either you uh, have an ostomy or a reconnection, you have a lot of issues with malabsorption and dehydration without a colon. And that's worsened if you have short bowel syndrome like myself. Not everybody has, gets that as a secondary uh, disease, but some people unfortunately do. And, and that can affect your daily life and how you feel. You have a lot of um, chronic fatigue and, and malnutrition. And of course, all those things can affect the body, even if you don't realize it. Oh my gosh, absolutely. How, how old were you when you were diagnosed with it? I was diagnosed when I was about eight and I had my first surgery at nine. What were you experiencing when you were that age? Like what were your symptoms and how did it, or I guess how many doctors did you have to see to finally get this diagnosed? So I actually... The symptoms I was having was stomach pain that wouldn't go away, but that actually turned out to not be caused by the FAP, but it led to my diagnosis of FAP. Um, so at the time, my parents had an HMO insurance plan, and so they required a referral from the primary care doctor to see a GI specialist, but the doctor refused it because she said I was just a whiny child. There was nothing wrong with me. So my parents, as soon as they could, they changed to a PPO plan so they didn't have to have a referral and they got me into a GI specialist. And as soon as she heard about my symptoms and my family history of FAP, she immediately got me booked for a colonoscopy and an upper scope and genetic testing. And that's how I got my diagnosis. Um, the stomach pain was actually caused by being pre-ulcerous from stress because I'm just a high-stressed person. <laughs> but um, thank goodness, though, because if it hadn't been for that, I don't know when I would have found out I had FAP and then it could have been too late. So with you saying it, it's genetic, who in your family, who in your family has it? My mom has it. Um, my grandfather, her, her dad had it. Um, his Mom had it, and uh, he had a lot of aunts and uncles um, with it, and I think he had one cousin with it that we know of. Oh, wow. Wow. So that really is really genetic then, <laughs> within yeah. every, almost within every yeah, generation. Um, so you mentioned that you also have short bowel syndrome, and this is like a completely separate issue, but you unfortunately have it together. Um, and how, now how does that affect it, the FAP more so, I would imagine, right? Well, so it makes it a lot harder because because without the colon, I already go to the bathroom 
a lot. Um, but I, because I had complications from my first surgery to remove my colon, I ended up having to have some of my small intestine removed. And that's what gave me the short bowel syndrome diagnosis. So that means that I go to the bathroom even more. I have even a harder time being hydrated. I have an even harder time absorbing nutrients than if I just didn't have a colon. Um, so it, it makes all those things harder. I can't even imagine how something like that can affect you um, mentally when you're young, nine, 10 years old. How was it? How did you feel when you were diagnosed with that at such a young age? At first, so the, the plan was originally that I was going to have my ostomy reversed after like three months and um, from the first surgery and have a J pouch. And I think I dealt with that part okay. I mean, I'm, my mom and my grandpa, uh, I knew they had FAP. I knew they had ostomies. I grew up around them. And so I expected to only have one temporarily. Uh, when I had complications, they thought that it was going to be permanent which it was for six years until they were suddenly able to reverse it. But uh, I didn't deal well with that, with the idea of it being permanent. Um, I became uh, depressed and angry. Um, I had PTSD from, from my complications that I had. because um, so I had ended up having five surgeries in one year. And um, I became suicidal and homicidal. And it was really... I'm sure it was very awful to be around me for several years until I finally got into counseling, uh, agreed to go to counseling. Wow. I'm so sorry. I, I can't even imagine um, what it is that you were going through at such a young age and growing up with that. Now, were you, did you go to school or were you homeschooled? So the first year um, uh, following my surgery, I was homeschooled because I was so sick and it wouldn't have been um, I probably wouldn't have been able to pass this. Uh, I was homeschooled fifth grade. Um, so my mom homeschooled me. And uh, after that, I got healthy enough that I was able to go back to school. And my parents actually changed school systems for me because I was, I just didn't want to go back to the school I had, had started at originally. So that um, ended up being a helpful thing for me, I think. You had mentioned that you were, that you got some complications after the initial surgery. What kind of complications did you have to go through? So the first complication I had was that my incision site got infected uh, two weeks after surgery. Um, And so I had to be taken back to the ER and they cut me open to clean it and pack it. They didn't give, they gave me morphine, but morphine doesn't do anything for me. Um, And they didn't give me any anesthesia. So that was a complication that was very traumatizing. And then a week later, my small intestine wrapped around itself and uh, surrounding organs and cut off blood supply. And it may not have been so bad, except the ER doctor sent me home telling my parents I was once again, a whiny child with nothing wrong with me. And so when they took me back the next day and said, she's still hurting, nothing's, nothing's better. A different doctor did more testing and found out about the um, intestine wrapped around itself. And they said it was a miracle that I lived through the night. So that was also very traumatic. Wow. You know, it's, it's such a shame that doctors do that. And, you know, it's, it happens every day, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I know and it's hard as a parent with kids um, almost 12 and 13 now, but 
you kind of know as a parent when your child is really suffering to a certain degree, you know, I mean, other than aches and pains, I have a headache, but it's, if, if the child is really, really persistent on some sort of pain, you have to really be so adamant to these doctors. And it's mm-hmm. a shame that they just don't listen to the child or to the parent and why it is so absolutely important to really advocate for yourself and for your family, because you never know, like, you know, like you said, if you went any longer, you might not be here today. And that's, that's really scary to think about. So how rare is FAP? You know, I don't know the actual statistics off the top of my head, but um, I know it is, it's still considered a rare disease, even though there is becoming more awareness about it and people are being able to connect more because of the internet. And so mm-hmm. in my group, it doesn't feel as rare as it did when I was a kid, but I don't know the actual statistics on it. When you had mentioned that it could cause hundreds and hundreds of um, colon polyps, do you go every so often for like a colonoscopy or do you have to do that every so often? So even without a colon, um, I still have to go for lower scope since I have a reconnection and that's just to check um, as far as I can with the, with the scope to make sure I don't have um, any issues, uh, any polyps or other things. I have ulcers in my small intestines where they can check it's low enough in my intestine. They can check it with the scope. But um, so I do that right now every uh, two years but other people have to do it more frequently. Like my mom has to do it every six months. Um, and she even does the camera pill so that it goes through her entire small intestine to check for polyps and things like that. Um, so everybody's a little different. Wow. Um, if you're without, I mean, if you still have your colon, uh, depending on how many polyps you have, they might say more than once a year, but at least once a year I would want to do. Okay when you had your five surgeries in one year, what did that consist of? Like what kind of surgeries did you have to go through that one year? So the first surgery was to remove my uh, colon and give me a temporary ileostomy. And it also created a J pouch at the same time. The second surgery I count is when they cut me open in the ER. Um, Cause they literally did have to cut me open. Uh, the third surgery was and they had to remove the dead small intestine because my J pouch died. Uh, from now, was the, that considered a complication because of the prior surgery? It was from the first surgery because so the surgeon put my ileostomy on the left side of my body instead of the right side of my body, and everybody's different, so there's not necessarily a right or wrong side. But for me, it was the wrong side because it left too much slack in my intestine, and that's what caused it to wrap around itself. Oh, so. Wow. In that third surgery, he moved it from the left to the right and removed my uh, dead intestine. And then I had a fourth um, surgery to remove adhesions. And then my fifth surgery was to start a straight pull-through reversal, but he did not complete it for whatever reason. Um, it was, and then that straight pull-through reversal is what was, uh, was my sixth surgery in high school. To reverse it. Well, I can say that you're a warrior. And I'm like, you know what? I am strong. And it's it's actually funny because my mom, she she feels that I have it worse than she does and that I'm stronger than her. 
And I feel that she has it worse than I do. And she is stronger than I am. And so we sit there and we're like, no, 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 you're, you know, and we have like, not an argument, but a debate back and forth sometimes. Um, It is just kind of funny. I'm like, that's, that's just, it's funny how you view yourself and how you view others and how they view you. And just to hear that is kind of, oh, it's always enlightening and and can be entertaining. Right. Well, um, I think it's a great thing that you're doing to raise awareness um, for rare disease. Like I said, I had never heard of this before. So I love to learn more and share awareness about other GI illnesses that are out there. Because I feel like the there that could be such a wide range of <laughs> diseases and issues. I mean, people come into the ER right all the time with, oh, I have abdominal pain. And it, it could be so many different things, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing that they do is just, they give you right an x-ray and a CT scan. And if it's okay, they send you home. And and then you come back the next day and all of a sudden somebody's having their append- they have appendicitis and they got to have an emergency right. surgery or something, right? Um, but I guess we're all human and we can only do what we can do no matter how how you look at it with these, because I guess sometimes you have to think outside the box, Absolutely. you know, it's always not black and white or, you know, cookie cutter. Not everybody fits into a certain box when it comes to chronic diseases and mm-hmm. um, some are genetic and some are so rare that they don't even know, um, you know, know much about much about them. So tell us what it is that you're doing in your blog. Let's take a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. So I started my blog 10 years ago. This is actually my 10th year, uh, May 15th. And so I started on, thank you. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it. But I I share my story about what life is like for me. Um, I do guest posts with other uh, other people with it can be about about their journey with it or if they have something else they want to share. Or sometimes I've even had um, like counselors talk about uh, what they what they type of therapy they they like to recommend for people just or I'll do educational posts about like desmoids or the Whipple procedure, just different things to kind of help get information out there. Um, I also started a YouTube channel, which um, focuses on short videos that I do just kind of talking about chronic illness um, anything that I think would be maybe not blog post worthy, but I want to get it out there. Um, I'm on social media. And so I'm always posting things, making TikToks, doing all kinds of things to, to help raise awareness about what life is like with it. And uh, I do so much now after 10 years. So I started um, through Nord. I started FAP Research Fund in 2015. And so I have a shop that I uh, have different designs, not just for FAP, but also chronic illness on a variety of merchandise. And all the profits are donated to that research fund. Uh, This year, yeah, (laughs) this year, like you mentioned, I, I wrote 
a children's book about FAP that was published. And then we're just having all kinds of things right now going on to celebrate the 10th anniversary. That's fantastic. Good for you. See, that's, I absolutely love that. You've found that motivation for your passion and purpose to raise awareness to others that are out there. Is there an FAP community like on Facebook or online anywhere? There is now. There are so many uh, Facebook groups for FAP. Like all you have to do is just search FAP. Well, maybe familiar polyposis would be a better uh, search term, but they also have there's FAPvoice.com, which is an online community just for FAP. Uh, there's the Facebook groups. Um, Colon Town is a, a nonprofit organization and they have Facebook groups, but they also have one for FAP. Uh, they kind of have like these neighborhoods um, for colon cancer and um, FAP is one of them that they have a neighborhood for. Um, so there's definitely a lot more available to people nowadays. Well, that's great. It's good to have help and support out there for people that um, are in different platforms or find different ways to connect better. Do you have like a morning routine or a daily routine that you need to go through like um, living and dealing with, with these issues? So my, my, um, my week always starts off stronger, it seems like. And then as the week goes on, it, it uh, becomes harder. So my weekends, I don't do a whole lot on the weekends. I usually do maybe one activity on Saturday, maybe one on Sunday. But the majority of my weekend is, is resting in order to recover from the week so that I can go to work and work the full week. Um, so I wake up, I take medication, and I... And go to work. I do my best there. And then I come home and I crawl into bed and I rest until dinner time with my boyfriend. And then we spend the rest of the evening chatting and we don't really do anything weeknights. That's pretty much my weeknights. It's, but again, that's balanced with rest. Okay. I could imagine that, you know, when your body needs to rest and you give your body that grace and say, okay, listen, I'm not going to push myself because I know it's going to push me further back. Um, like those of us that do have a chronic illness, I think we tend to push ourselves on, push ourselves on days that we feel great. So we want to do a million and one things, you know, and then the next day you're like, oh man, why did I do that? You know, and then you're out for the next 48 hours. Um, how is your boyfriend understanding with everything? He, he is wonderful. Um, he does. He, he helps me with whatever way that he can. I mean, he took off to take me for my last surgery. He, um, I had my eighth surgery in August of 2021 and I, it took me a long time to recover from, from it. And so, I mean, he, he just does random things. Like he bought me a robot vacuum so I wouldn't have to Aww. vacuum the house as much, you know, cause it, um, strenuous activity, uh, still causes me pain. And so he just does random little things like that to surprise me. He's like, Hey, I thought this would be helpful. Here's this. And you know, if I need him to do something, he does. He's, he's been cooking dinner for since uh, August last year. (laughs) Well, Hey, take it where you can get it. Right. That's right. So he's great. That's great. So is there a specific diet that you need to follow? Well, so you know, there, I don't specifically follow when now there's people who say, oh, you should do the anti-inflammatory diet that that really helps. Um, you know, and that's great for them. I, 
My main thing is I have to be careful with crunchy vegetables because they uh, can cause me blockages, intestinal blockages, which has actually gotten better since my last surgery because in, in that last surgery, they removed adhesion. So I have less dietary restriction than I did before, um, but everybody's different. My mom, she can't eat a lot. Her, she, her trouble is eating meat because it can cause her blockages. Um, whereas mine was vegetables. So everybody's different. Um, I know I did do a trial of the anti-inflammatory diet and it, it did cause me to have a lot less bloating and a lot less, less uh, stomach pain than I had. I'm just not that dedicated. It is some a tough people one. are. Yeah. It's a tough one. I can tell you today, I actually just posted on my Instagram. I just started an, a plant-based diet today. Um, and it's definitely going to take some discipline um, on my part because I'm, I'm a meat eater. You know, when I, mm -hmm. I eat ch chicken, it was my main source of protein. And then I have to stay away from milk and, and eggs and dairy and oh. all of that too. <laughs> so I told, I had hired a, a health coach because um, mm -hmm. I needed somebody to connect the dots with all of my random issues. And she did a, an extensive workup of labs and other testing and found some interesting things about the way my body functions or doesn't actually oh. function, <laughs> but, um, it's just, it's, it needs a, a plant-based diet for a while to help repair my gut. Um, right now mm -hmm. it's just very toxic and it isn't digesting food because of my gastroparesis and, that's been the biggest, the hardest challenging disease that I've started to deal with. It, I was just diagnosed with that a couple of years ago. Um, but same thing with hard, um, crunchy vegetables. It, they, if you don't chew your food the right way, they get stuck mm -hmm. and having a slow GI tract as it is, uh, they just don't push through. So, right. um, and I'm not digesting meat either. So if it's not doing me any good, I keep trying to just remind myself if my body doesn't like this food and isn't, it might taste good to me, but it's not doing my body any good. You do need yes. medication. And of course I'm like, I have to wait till after Easter to do this because I need to eat my chocolate and I need to have my, <laughs> the last of my Polish Easter I'm um, with my sausages and the hard boiled eggs and everything. So I did get to enjoy my Easter, which was good. Oh, um, but today I woke up and I had my celery juice. I, I bought a juicer and um, drank celery juice first thing in the morning to kickstart mm -hmm. your gut. And <laughs> we'll see. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be, um, surprisingly enough. But not something I would be like, oh, I need to get some celery juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see vegetables and fruits are my friends and, um, we'll see how it feels. I'm hoping that this will definitely help my gut re get repaired. So we'll see. I hope um, so too. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add about either one, the short bowel syndrome or FAP? Do you have anything else that you'd like, um, people to be aware about? Well, just, you know, you're not alone. Um, and I know it, it's, it feels like you're alone when you have a rare disease, especially if you have more than one. Um, and sometimes they go hand in hand, the FMP and the short, shortened off syndrome. And even desmoid tumors, a lot of people with FAP will have those. So they feel even more alone, but you are not alone. I promise you, if you can get online, you can connect with us. Um, 
you know, if you're feeling alone, reach out to me. I will talk to you. I will help connect you to other people. Um, and it's not a death sentence. A lot of people will feel like that this is, but it's, I have a friend whose father turned 95 last year and he has FAP, two ostomies. He's still going. You can have a normal life expectancy and even beyond. So that's incredible. 95 years old. Yeah. That's a good life. Wow. That's a good life. That's, that's incredible. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you two questions that I ask all my guests. So if you could go back to any time frame in your childhood, I'm not sure about your childhood, but um, any time period in the past, it could be high school or any time, what time period would you pick and why? Um, I think I would pick uh, the time before I started having the chronic pain that led to my diagnosis. Um, because I don't remember what it's like to be healthy. Um, so it'd be nice to experience that. Right. It feels, it feels almost like it's a different lifetime sometimes. And then you kind of just spoke about it, but if you had advice to give someone with chronic illness, what would you say to them? The biggest advice is always advocate for yourself and always speak up, research, don't be afraid to ask questions and suggest things to your doctors. They're not going to think about everything and you got to think outside of the box. And sometimes that means you have to think outside of the box for them. So joining the community and asking questions in addition to your research to bring up to your doctors is going to save you a lot. It's going to help you, but you have to do it. That's absolutely right. And you know, and sometimes not sometimes, almost all the time when you get a diagnosis and you just don't believe it, or, you know, it could be something else, get a second opinion, get a third opinion. Just because one doctor thinks it might be X, Y, Z does not mean that that's, you know, that that's what it could possibly be. Do your side of the research as well. And there's so many incredible ways, you know, we have to beyond I mean, we have so much at our fingertips all day long for us to do research about everything, um, but make sure you're just getting it from a, a good source and, you know, not Joe Blow off the internet that just says, you know, right. you're going to die when you have a chronic illness all the time. <laughs> so right. reach out to those that are in the similar community as you. And I think that that definitely helps. So thank you so much for telling us your story and what you've been going through and everything that you're doing. Um, you know what, one more time, tell the audience where they can find you. So my main website is lifesapollot.com. I have all my links on there, but also on social media, I'm under lifesapollot. That's the handle for all of social media. Um, and everything's right there on the website though. And what is the name of your book? It's called lifesapollot with Zeke and Katie. All right. And where can people find that Jenny? You can find it on Amazon and then also on the Imagine We Publishers website. Amazon has it as print and digital. Okay, wonderful. I will um, link all of those up in the show notes so everybody can 
check out your page and are you doing fun TikToks? Are you doing crazy TikToks? <laughs> oh yeah. I try to keep up with all the trends, but they are. Right. <laughs> I haven't done the TikTok thing yet. I'm just not sure I'm TikTok material just yet. We'll see what happens, but um, I know my kids have fun watching it all day long and I, I do enjoy some of the videos that they send me. Well, thanks again, Jenny, for, for being here with me. I'm, I'm so glad that we connected and I wish you nothing but the best. Have an amazing rest of your day and uh, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you too. All right, Jenny. Hi friends. Let me take a quick minute and thank our very first show sponsor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. It's so easy, even I can do it. Trust me, that means you can do it too. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you all for being here. I am so glad we found each other. See you next time. Have an incredible day, my beautiful friends.